So welcome everybody. Uh, today in the React Native podcast show, Coffee Talk, we are talking about really, really cool tool that was released not so long ago with version 1.0. It's called Bun and it's fresh out of the oven. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. Um, today with me is my great guest, uh, the man behind all this noise, all this, you know, uh, all this storm on Twitter and over the internet the creator of Bun, uh, Jared Sumner. Hello, Jared. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me today. Um, so before we jump into the, uh, you know, the sweet little details about all this, uh, could you please introduce us to, to, to what you've created? Uh, just like we, you know, because not all, all, of our, all of our listeners know what is it all about, we would like to introduce them to the product. Bun is an incredibly fast JavaScript runtime package manager, uh, task runner, uh, test runner, and kind of the idea is, and also in Bundler, and kind of the idea is by putting a lot of the core workflows we do every day into one tool, we could make a lot of things much simpler and also faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And time is money, right? So we, we want these tools to be faster. Um, so... You've been working on it for recent year or so. How long? Uh, how long did it start? Probably like two years ago. Um, two so years. we were in beta in, in in a private beta for about a year. Um, actually, well, it was a it was a uh, I worked on it without even keeping it open to the public at all for like a year, and then uh, and then I then it was private beta for a year. Is that is that right? No, it was like six months for before between first line of code and before anybody could use it. Then, okay. then it was a year of private beta, and then a year later, now we're here. Uh, all right, yeah. How does it's it feel a, like after all this with version one point It's been really crazy. Um, I basically. Uh, I've, I've honestly barely written any code in the last week or so. Uh, mostly uh, kind of just uh, like just been a lot of people on Twitter and uh, and, and also triaging and uh, and our Discord's been blowing up. There's like 26,000 people in our Discord. Um, uh, we, 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 we passed 60,000 stars on GitHub. Uh, it's really crazy. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> exactly this is this is why we are here right because this is all crazy i mean why do you think bun is making so much noise right now in the community i think that people just want faster tools and i think that javascript has gotten way too complicated over the years and it's like it's complicated for good reasons because people are using it for very important things and that like as the the number of use cases grow and as the the ways people are using it yeah as it gets more advanced you just need you the tools also ended up we sort of ended up in a place where everything feels kind of duct taped together mm -hmm. um and so if you kind of take the if you if you sort of build a new tool designed to combine many of the existing workflows into one you can make a lot of things a lot simpler and i think it's like speed is is both a uh, in, in a, like, it's not just about like the, the runtime performance of any one thing. It's that it makes people, it helps people ship faster. And that means that like you spend less time 
reading Hacker News, which isn't just like waiting for things. Like the worst part of programming is waiting for things, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah, and then switching the context, coming back to the previous one, right? Getting your head into again into the space where you left it. Uh, yeah, I can I can feel you, uh, and I see where the problems comes from. Um, but again, some people would say. Uh, and you know this is this is a I think fair opinion uh, on on this kind of approach that you know they like or love JavaScript for the openness of it right so if you if you're a JavaScript developer no matter where it's this web or, or or mobile with React Native or whatever you get the choice of tools on your own right you can choose the bundler you can choose the package manager etc cetera, etc cetera. and here with Bun you are basically presented with one uh, all-in-one tool uh, for all your <laughs> all your matters in JavaScript. Um, aren't you worried that some people will, you know, take this as a maybe, you know, the try to close the, the, the ecosystem in one and well, then... I, I think there's two parts. Mm -hmm. I think there's two parts to that. One is that uh, we... Uh, we spend most of our time on ecosystem compatibility. Kind of the hardest tools to, to make work in Bun are actually the build tools. And we spend a lot of time on that. Um, like we, we just got Next.js to work days before the 1.0 release, just the pages okay. directory. Um, and you know, that means like Webpack, that means like Chalkadar, the, the file watcher, that means like, uh, there, there's just so much, uh, just dash worker, which is like a IPC, we, we had to implement like a child process IPC to get that to work, um, uh, all the hard stuff is in the build tools. And, and so we've actually spent a lot of time to make it so, so that you can use your existing build tools in Bun. You don't have to use Bun's bundler. You don't have to use Bun's transpiler. Um, you can use the, the tools that you're already familiar with. Um, you can use Yarn and NPM as well. Uh, you don't have to use a package manager. Um, and, and our package manager is designed to work a lot like Yarn and NPM. It has a traditional node modules folder um, you can use it with Node.js. It's in fact designed for use with Node.js. Um, so, so I think, but I think what we want is to present, we, we do want to present uh, to, to, to show that the tools that we use every day can be so much faster. Um, and I think, uh, I think in, in other language ecosystems, uh, you generally don't have, you, you generally don't have to choose between so many options. And I think, it, like an example is like Ruby on Rails. Um, you, you can, I'm, I'm sure that there are other, and there are other uh, package managers, but typically people use, in, in the Ruby world, it's called like Bundler um, and in, in Ruby Gems. Uh, and there are a, a number of other clients for Ruby Gems that are super popular. They, I'm sure somebody's written them and they can't. But I think usually the, the, the a paradox of choice is not an actually a good thing. Um, it's good for it to be possible to exist. It's important for that to be true. But I think people usually just want to get their stuff done. They don't want to spend as much time trying to pick which tool to use. Right, right. I see, I see, and I agree on that. Um, but uh, there is another concern that comes with this kind of approach. Um, and let's try to address that. So how do you feel about Bun being so versatile? Like, can there be too much of a good thing? And it's not only about, you know, that there are too much, too many parts together bundled in the Bun um, at the same time. It's more of a, 
like a maintenance kind of thing and paying attention to details in each of these elements. Uh, so for for bun team, for, for oven team, um, do you feel it's achievable to maintain this high level of um, of detail, of quality for the whole bun ecosystem? Yes. Uh, I think it's our job to do that. Um, and I think like uh, the, I think one of the kind of superpowers of bun is that because we can, we have so much, there's so many different layers we can operate on. Um, when we have, when we see a problem in like the runtime, we could, we could solve it at the runtime. We could solve it in the transpiler. We could solve it in the bundler. We could solve it in the package manager. In some cases we can choose where's the best place for the, to solve this problem. And that means that, uh, it, I, I think a lot of the reason why things are today, why JavaScript is complicated today is because the, every tool that has to solve the problem in, in, from the purview of what that tool can do. Um, like this is not, a, this is not, this is sort of a weird example, but like you could argue that if, and this is not, also this is not something that Bun does, but, uh, if it, like the node module resolution algorithm, for example, if, if it, I don't, it doesn't, I think it would be unlikely if such a thing were to be done today, that it would, uh, it would have tricks like the choosing index.js. Or, or whatnot, because you have today, those are like things which text editors should clearly solve. But I would bet in back in like 2009 or 2008 or whatever it was, uh, that, that the text editor couldn't, it, that people didn't think text editors would, should be that like powerful, um, or opinionated. Uh, and I think it's a similar thing there where that, I think that, or like, that's kind of my favorite example of solving something at the wrong layer of the stack that, uh, that, that moving the module resolution stuff to be really complicated at runtime when it should just be a text editor IDE kind of thing. Um, right. So it's like a design level kind of issue, right? Uh, instead of solving the issue, I actually introduce new one <laughs> instead, yeah. but in a different place now. Right. Uh, okay. So how does it work? Like what makes Bun so fast compared um, to others? The, the real answer is like, there's a, a, a million tiny things, but the, the real answer is just that we spent a lot of time profiling. We just try to make it really fast. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, like we just try really hard, <laughs> um, but, but the, the, the more concrete things are like, we spend a lot of time reading about system calls. And so one of the things that, that is often a bottleneck with, with IO heavy software is where, how, like how many system calls and what are the system calls being used and what is the computer actually doing? So for example, one of the reasons why bun install is really fast is because, uh, on Mac OS, we, uh, we use this clone file system call and it, it does a zero copy, uh, uh or sorry, it does copy and write, uh, recursively for directory trees. Um, and so that works really, really, really fast when you have like a a lot of large files, like for like, for example, for installing TypeScript at the time of writing, it was like, or at the time of I'm talking, it was like, last I looked, it was like 30 megs or 40 megs or something. Uh, okay. so we can install TypeScript really fast and because it's, it's not actually copying the data. It's making another reference to the data using the really fast system call. Um, and a bunch of small things like that, or like another example would be like, every time you have a system call that goes through JavaScript. You have to clone those, the path string. You have to add a zero at the end because all of the C APIs expect a zero to be terminating the, the string. Um, and so we just have a, a shared buffer that we reuse every time we're 
cloning. And then we just, and then even some of the code is like, oh, we only need to clone part of the file path. We we like, like you copy the directory and then for all the files in that directory to turn it into an absolute path, we only copy the, the, the trailing end, end part of the path instead of the whole path. Okay. So just like, we just spent a lot of time. Uh, and so that's like so simple. It's like, that's like one part of it. The other part of it is, uh, uh, like memory allocation. And, uh, we also use a lot of simmed, uh, I, I never know how to pronounce that, but, uh, the idea basically with simmed is that, uh, it is a more and more modern CPUs support a way to, uh, operate on data in larger chunks more efficiently. So instead of operating one byte at a time, instead of looping over a string, one character at a time, you can loop over a string. 16 characters at a time or eight characters at a time. And it is almost the same cost as looping it over, looping over eight characters or one character at a time. So in the, okay. when you're dealing with large amounts of input, you can go a lot faster. Um, so we make heavy use of that in the JavaScript compiler, uh, for things like parsing strings. Uh, like that's for, for example, it's, it's very useful when you, when you have a JSON parser and you need to parse really large source map strings. And those are like three megabytes of source code or something. Um, uh, so we can turn through that really quick. Um, another example is like, uh, sorry, I could go on and on about this because I spent I so mean, much time. For me, it's like super interesting. I'm, I'm actually taking notes while you're talking just for the reference <laughs> after the talk. So I, I'm, I, I'm sure that our listeners, uh, appreciate this uh, kind of detail, but as you said, there are so many things behind it that maybe. You know, maybe we can get back to it after after we go through through the rest of our questions, so that you know, if we got some time left, we can get back to the performance stuff. Um, and I've, by the way, I've seen um, obviously I've seen some tweets from you, and I've seen that you even shared like a piece of code where you in like when you showed how you imp how you are implementing these performance optimizations in details, like small parts of code where you just changed, I don't remember exactly now, but you changed some kind of data structure to use different one, just for, for that sake of, of performance boost. So I think that this project being like, because it was originally started just by you, right? Nothing, no one else on the team. Yeah. So originally uh, I was building this like voxel game in the browser and just the iteration cycle time got really slow. Um, okay. And uh, like the, the game got kind of big and that like from like a code size perspective and just it took many many seconds like 30 seconds or a minute or something uh to for for whenever i refresh the page to see the changes uh so i was like all right what is making this slow and then uh, i was like all right i'm i th i what if i eventually that led to like okay what if i port yes builds transpiler to say um i know that's kind of a jump but uh uh and then i did it and then it turned out that like the JSX translation was something like three times faster than ES build. Oh, um, okay. And, and I barely, and at that point I had barely learned sick. Um, so, but I was like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to just keep trying this. Um, and then that led to like, and then I really wanted to get next JS to work in it. So I was like, all right, I guess we could try adding the JavaScript runtime to this thing. Um, and then, uh, so then I like looked at a few different JavaScript runtimes. Um, uh, there, I looked at using V8. I looked at using QuickJS. I looked a little bit at using Hermes. Um, but then I tried JavaScript core and it seemed like a very good balance of quick startup time, but with like the, the right kind of performance of like 
the like uh, of like with like a good jit and everything um uh uh so then but kind of the hard part of what using javascript core is it's kind of it's not easy to embed it's sort of like v8 makes a just a lot of effort into like okay we're gonna have great c plus plus docs we're gonna have all, all that stuff in, in javascript core it doesn't uh javascript core is part of like webkit's mono repo so sort of the way you figure out how to embed javascript core is by uh reading the code um and there's a lot of code um uh, it's like many millions of lines of code um so we so i just spent like a month reading a bunch of code uh definitely not all of it um and uh and then just kind of fiddled with it a bunch to get it to embed in button um uh and then like then I like wired up the transpiler to the runtime. Um, and then at some point I was also like, okay, now we're, we're running code. We're, we're, we're transpiling code. Um, but installing is still really slow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like discovering this on other parts that were painful for you and you just wanted to fix it basically. Yeah. And, and previously, uh, or at my, I just remember also when I was at Stripe, I was really frustrated by how long it took to run Yarn and Salt. Uh, we were using Yarn v1, and it would just take. It was like every time anybody merged a PR and you had to like pull, it would be like five minutes of just stuff that you had to do. And then sometimes like the post install script would break for whatever reason, and then you had to do it again. Um, uh, and then I think like this, uh, and just like. A lot of bun was because the, I started working on bun mostly because I was just really frustrated with the iteration cycle time of JavaScript, They're building anything in JavaScript. Okay, I see. Um, question: So, if, if you were, if you were to start this whole project again, would you say that you know, like the previous experience with building something similar, is required to start that? Like, did you have some kind of experience before you actually took on this task or you were like, you know what, let me just fix it. I'm going to jump into the, straight into the JavaScript engine code, going to learn how it works and then rebuild it from scratch. Like, I, I would, I would say I gradually tricked myself in, into, into increasing the scope this much. Um, <laughs> right. um, uh, like, yeah, I definitely didn't expect, I was not expecting a JavaScript runtime at all starting out um i was expecting a package manager i did kind of plan for that um if you if you look in my repos enough you'll find a a very hacky npm client written in go uh, all right uh very hacky use like okay. LL, llmdb to to for the lock file um which is both okay. a, a good idea and a terrible idea um uh uh but it it was that was an interesting I really like Go. Go is a great language. Um, uh, okay, so let let me let me stop you here. Um, speaking of Go uh, and languages, why Zig? Why did you go for Zig with Bun? And for those of you who don't know, Zig is relatively fresh language. I think 2016 was the release year or something like that. Something um, like that. Yeah, and it's like a, it's it is something like Go, Rust, you know, this kind of language that you can build systems like this. So, why did you go for Zig specifically? I, um, the the real reason is I was just really quickly found myself being super productive in it. 
Um, and like, like that's the biggest thing for me is like, like we needed to ship a lot of stuff. I was, I, I tried using Rust for a bit and personally, I just wasn't very productive. It was pretty hard. Um, uh, and Zeke was like, oh, I know how this, I, there's no, a big thing in Zeke is that there's no hidden behavior. You know, you can, you know, everything that's going on because Zeke doesn't have automatic constructors or destructors. Uh, it, and also the memory management is all very manual. So it means that like, uh, it's very predictable. Um, it means that generally things perform, you can read the code and get a pretty good sense of if something is going to be slow or fast. Um, uh, uh, and this is, so, so part of that also was coming from building that voxel game in the browser. Cause it, there's so many things that are in a browser that's kind of hard to control what's going on. Um, uh, and, uh, and so I was sort of like kind of burned out on that experience to some extent of like, right. oh, uh, if I, but if I use Zig, then it's kind of the opposite where I control everything. And of course, that also means that you have to worry about everything. We have to worry about, oh, uh, the, uh, every memory allocation could fail technically yep. or like, oh, uh, the, uh, editors, we need to be, make sure that we use, uh, 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 wrapping or, uh, uh, we, we need to be very careful with like integer overflow, for example. Um, and so that's, what's nice about Ziggy is it also has a bunch of debug safety checks. Like if, if there is an integer overflow or underflow in, in development, it will, it will panic and it will tell you that this is, it will, like it will crash in development. So you don't, okay. so you can generally pick up on these things pretty quickly. All right. Uh, so yeah. are, regarding Zig, aren't you? Again, aren't you worried a little bit that it's quite fresh and that so much stuff can change in it? Because I'm just checking it right now, and I think that the latest release is 0.11, so it's not even 1.0, right? Um, so aren't you yeah. worried a little bit that you know so many breaking changes might come up? You're going to have to basically rework so much of the code base from Bond, or maybe the support for Zig will be dropped at all because you never know. Um, aren't you a little worried about this? Not really. I think that... Uh... I think it's it seems unlikely that Zig syntax is going to change very much. What I would expect, how I expect Zig to change more so, is like to get to improve uh, stability and improve safety. Um, and there are a few features that they haven't implemented yet uh, that that they probably will implement. Um, but I think it's unlikely to have like large syntax changes. And even if it did, like, I mean, the worst case is that like we're a large enough code base we could write some. And Zig syntax is really easy to parse. Like the worst possible case, you just write some one-off migration script, or maybe they even provide that. They've actually been pretty good about that, where like they yeah. have a Zig format, which is sort of like sort of like prettier, um, but it also can do uh, some small transforms. Um, so, so when they made some changes where like they renamed some built-in function to another to something else, then you, all you do need to do is you sometimes is just run Zig format all, on all your code, and then it does the the change. All right. All right, pretty cool. So that, does Zig have something like Bun, but for Zig, like all <laughs> in one tool? Well, Zig has, uh, like, Zig has, is starting to get a package manager, um, and they have a, obviously they have a compiler. They also have a, you can also compile C using Zig's wrapper, um, and they also have a C backend as well, and a, a WebAssembly backend, so you can compile Zig to, to WebAssembly. Um, uh, all right. It does okay. a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's this is this is very interesting. So this is um, a little bit of of uh, 
extra sauce for those low levels enthusiasts out here listening to us um all right so as i said bun is constructed of uh, bits and, and pieces of different uh, responsibilities so it's called them features right like package manager bundling and stuff like that so which one of these features do you think or do you know is most popular right now do you have like some kind of statistics saying we, what people we, are, we are using. We don't really have, one thing is we really don't have good tra tracking at all. We don't have any instrumentation like properly right now. We're going to, we will add instrumentation as well as a way to disable the instrumentation. We actually used to have it, but then did we just stopped maintaining it and then we kind of just turned it off. But we're, we're going to bring it back at some point kind of soon. But I, what I, my sense is just from feedback, I would say bun install is probably the most popular part of bun. Um, and that's because it's the easiest one to adopt. It's a little scary to switch your JavaScript runtime, but package manager is like a lot easier. Um, and, and, uh, it's also a very, very immediate benefit. Like you just, you can just feel how much faster it is. You don't even need to like, it's, it's a very low effort, um, to, to try it. Uh, okay. Yeah, but bun test I think is going to also be really popular. Um, there's a couple things we're missing. We're still missing extends, and we're still missing uh, inline snapshots and mock module. But I think once we have those three things, it's going to be uh, a really. I, I think it's it's a pretty surprising how much faster your tests can get. Um, people usually assume that their that the bottleneck for their tests is the their code, and that is sometimes true, um, but it's not always true. Mm -hmm. Right, right. That makes sense. Uh, okay, so speaking of package managers and um, and that people really like it in Bond right now, why would you say other package managers are so slow compared to Bond? Apart from all these, you know, little performance um, boosts that you mentioned and the approach regarding how we can leverage up this the system we are using, the operating system. Do you think there are other, you know, bottlenecks in other package managers that might be responsible for this kind of uh, slow benchmarks? I think it's a few things. I think one is the, uh, um, I think one thing is the the lock file format is part of it. Is that uh, usually if you have a if you have a large enough project, the 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 npm client has to spend a lot of time parsing the lock file and then parsing all the package JSONs. And we do parse all the package JSONs, but we try to do, uh, but, but our, the lock file bun has a binary lock file and it's, we, we put a lot of effort into making it really fast to serialize and deserialize. Um, so, uh, kind of the, the general structure there is that like, when you want to make serialization fast, you put the variable length data, uh, at the end, uh, and you put the, uh, and you try to make it so you have the least number of like arrays of arrays, essentially. So, so, uh, we have a lot of optimizations in the serialization there to make it load really big lock files really fast. Um, and we also put a lot more data in the lock file. Uh, we can essentially, if we wanted to, we could, uh, we could run packages without any of the package JSONs. Uh, the problem you, you can't actually do that because you don't want it to be stale. Uh, you need to make sure that like the changes are in sync and everything is correct, um, up to date, but, uh, there's enough, but all the data, data is in there. So that was, that's like one of the optimizations. Another one is that, uh, just like the system calls we use are really 
the a big, a big part of it is assistant calls like copy file, clone file, symlink, hard link, all that stuff. But when it all supports explicitly choosing a backend to use, so you can be like, oh, I want to use hard links, or oh, I want to copy file. You can do dash dash backend equal hard link. This is oh. kind of a weird feature, but like it's it's just gives you a little bit more control. Um, uh, another thing is that we don't run post installs for for dependencies. Uh, most of our benchmarks are also uh, we, we were careful about that because where we want to make sure that uh, uh, basically with uh, a lot of the post installs people are running for are just unnecessary. A lot of the time they they just like print a message. Um, I think Core JS is one of those um, where they they just prints a message and and that post install takes you know sixty ms or something like that and it's just you don't need it um, uh, and I think. Uh, it, there are cases where you do need it. Uh, you you do need it, for example, for Sharp uh, or for uh, like Bcrypt uh, or Argon two. Um, uh, we're gonna have our our, I, but there's this kind of this. Uh, there's also this security trade off because you're allowing arbitrary packages to run these post install scripts on your computer, uh, and you're just trusting that they're not going to do something malicious. And that's been a really big attack vector for for various npm packages that they like install a Bitcoin miner or something, uh, or like, or some like keylogger in the in post install script. Um, so by not running it, it's, it's more secure. Um, but it has this trade-off of, of some packages don't work. So what we're going to do is we're going to have, uh, this whole, we're going to have, let you have a key in your package JSON to, that says, allow these packages to run their post install scripts. Um, uh, so it, and, and there will be a default list that are allowed to run them, which are like which is going to be like the, from the top 10,000 most popular, uh, packages and kind of a curate, a curated list uh, from that. Um, and that way people don't typically run into this problem anymore of, oh, I can't use it because I'm using, uh, Bcrypt or, uh, one of these packages, which absolutely do need a post install. But even right. then we can still make those post install scripts faster because usually they're using something like CMake. Um, and there are various caching things you can do with CMake to make CMake uh, re repetitive installations that are, are repetitive CMake runs to be faster. Um, uh, All right. So there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we do there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that there will be a list of like the curated list of this trusted yeah. packages, we can say. Um, who's going to be curating it? Is it going to be you? Are you going to have a team on that? Or is it going to be like a community thing to do? It's going to be a community thing. It'll be on. It'll be just like a text file that's like included in Bun, um, and then other people can like submit PRs and stuff to to add to the list um, or remove from the list. Um, right. All right. All right. Uh, okay. So basically, like the biggest, maybe not a beef, but you know something people are really comparing Bun to is obviously Node right now. Um, so how did Node influence how Bonds is built right now? I mean, probably, you I know, mean, you learned from their mistakes, right? And you could apply those changes to your thing, to your to your product. But anything else? I mean, Bun would never exist without Node. Uh, like, we owe, we owe Node a lot. Um, and, uh, and I think, like, uh, yeah, like, we, we, uh, were we, Bun, we aim to be a, a drop-in replacement for Node.js. Um, and so and what that means is that we implement 
the vast majority of, of Node.js core modules. Um, I think it's like, I think the number is 40, maybe it's 35, somewhere, somewhere in that range. I don't remember the exact number. Um, but I think we're most, the biggest ones that we're missing right now are DGRAM and HTTP2. I'm expecting HTTP2. It's going to be done in like a week or two. Um, right. Uh, and then, um, but yeah, I mean, we, uh, we definitely, uh, the thing is we, we do implement a lot of them very differently than node. Like for example, we, we use a lot of native code. So like, for example, fetch, which is also a built in, in, in node and, and in more recent versions of, of, no, of bond or sorry, it, it has always been a built in, in bond, but it has, it is also a built in, in recent versions of node, uh, uh, that our implementation is all in native code. The HTTP client itself runs on a separate thread. Uh, so that way you don't have to, so that way, like the work of compressing and decompressing and all the other stuff that goes into an HTTP client doesn't happen on the main thread, um, and block and potentially block your JavaScript. Um, uh, it also means, uh, increases complexity in a lot of cases. And an, an unfortunate side effect is it also means that bun can be harder to contribute to because, uh, Generally, we don't actually use that much JavaScript, despite being a JavaScript runtime. All right, mostly Zeg anyway. Um, are you very strict on on pull requests? Like, do you go through pull requests by yourself? Uh, or oh yeah, you... I go through most of the pull requests, but we still all other also other people on the team do too. Um, but I, I probably end up reviewing a lot of them right now. Um, and uh, there's a few foot guns that we need to address there, like. Uh, some of our build scripts, we don't run them in CI because we don't want our CI to, to need to depend on bun. Um, uh, it's that, cause I think it's sort of, we would, we want to avoid a chicken and egg situation where like you need bun in order to build bun. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it makes sense. But it's, it also means that you have to run some build scripts on your computer and that gets kind of weird. Um, you have to commit these files and then these files have merge conflicts with something we need to fix. All right. So every time you want to test the new PR, you actually have to do it locally. There's no way to test it out on the CI properly. Well, we, we, we do, we do test it on CI. Um, we do have all our tests run on CI cause it would be impossible. There's, there's a, uh, cause we have to test on like Mac OS arm 64, Mac OS X 64, Linux X 64, Linux. Uh, 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 and then we also have to have a test for like a simmed version of bun and a non simmed version of bun because not every computer supports simmed instructions. And there have been various bugs in the past where there was some something that worked on the simmed version of bun, but on the sim not in the baseline version and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I actually I actually completely for some reason I didn't think that bun has to be supported by so many platforms. So testing is very vast, right? <laughs> you yeah. have to have many different environments to test and it out. We have easily like, read that from your mind. We also have a, a Windows build, but and, and so that windows will be added to the CI soon. Um, and like, that's a whole thing too, because very little of the windows build works. Um, like parts of it do just the runtime, but like, like you can do console log, hello world, right. uh, but you can't do like, uh, one install. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll yeah. fix it. Actually, this, this is a good point. I was going to ask you about that. So what's up with windows? Like, why is it not working yet properly? What's, what's the deal here? Well, a lot of one is, it's really a couple things, but the, the main thing is that, uh, we spent a lot of time optimizing bun for, for Linux and for, for POSIX systems. Um, and windows is a whole other world. Um, you, instead of UTF eight file paths, you use UTF 16 file paths. 
instead of uh, forward slashes, you use backslashes. It actually turns out that like the API support both directions, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, but uh, uh, another thing is that like the the all of the system calls are different, and in a lot of cases, we actually directly use uh, the system call interface on Linux. Um, so we we want to do we kind of want to try to go pretty low level to get as much out of the get as much performance out of the, the machine as we can mm -hmm. so is it like the hmm, i don't want it to, to to sound like bad but so this is not a bad thing but is it like due to lack of expertise in in windows ecosystem or lack of time to manage all these different parts that are different from uh from linux it's well, mostly i would say that the biggest reason honestly is that like like we're we're bun is a company we're we're uh and and we we raised about uh, we raised seven million dollars last summer um and i personally have spent too much time coding and not enough on hiring more engineers um All right. and growing the team uh and so because i still do i still like the, this is it basically like we should have hired more engineers by now but i've been writing too much code and if right. we had hired more engineers then we would have people who are working on Windows, uh, who are not just me. Um, our, our team is uh, uh, seven people full time, uh, uh, but we should be more than that. All right, right. I mean, so that basically kind of points out both of the points that I did mention. So, a little bit of lack of expertise, probably because you're mostly focused on Linux and 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 stuff like that. But also lack of time, like physically lack of time to do yeah. that. Right. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. And since you are mentioning, you know, the team of seven developers working, working full time, um, there was a bit of also disruption on Twitter some time ago when I think when you started hiring or you were already in the process of hiring that you mentioned on a tweet that, you know, if you want to join the, the oven team, you have to be ready to like to crunch it, right? We, we are building something great. You need to, to dedicate yourself to this. Uh, so Work-life balance is kind of off. Um, and that caused a little bit of noise as well, a little bit of controversy. So how did that work after all, the, the, the whole crunching thing? Did, did you actually commit this much as you expected everyone else to commit? And did other team members commit to the crunching style of working? I, that wasn't exactly how it was phrased, but I think the... Uh... I think it, it it was important to to be just upfront with people that like Bun is going to book. We have a lot of Bun is not an easy thing to build, and that we have uh, a lot of work to do, uh, and in, that it's going to take hard work, and that uh, I, it's not like it's not going to be easy. Uh, and I wanted to just be totally upfront with with anybody that that like that is how it, that is the only way it would ship, pretty much. Um, but we, we, I would also say it wasn't. I would also say it sounded like more intense than it actually turned out to be. Um, like I work really hard, but I don't expect generally like I'm like, I think the founder of the company should always be the hardest working person at the company. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense from my perspective. I really appreciate this kind of, you know, information flow <laughs> and, and honesty from, from you, because, you know, if, if you think about it, if you want to create any, Thing that is good and that is actually changing something in in the world we know you have to crunch it right otherwise otherwise 
you know, people would just build mediocre products and everything would be mediocre. And this way, you actually commit yourself to this. And the truth is, many, many founders and many people from tech industry, I think not specifically in tech, but this is what we know, uh, are working hard many, many hours a day, many hours a week, uh, way more than average people just to, you know, deliver the stuff that they believe in. And it comes with passion, right? Like if you're passionate about something, you just lose the sense of time when you're working on it very often, right? I was surprised that there was such a storm around this whole crunching Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but I do appreciate that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, I also, I it was also problem. like, for, for me, it was also like, I started getting like death threats. Um, it was oh, really? It got really intense. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was a little, that was the, I, I didn't, I both didn't expect that intensity, but also that anybody would, that, that was, that was like why I deleted the tweet because that's, it's not like, like that's, that is a, a line. Uh, and then I do not want. <laughs> yeah. But this is crazy for like, you mean threats for that, that you were announcing that you're hiring people, but they have to, to be ready to work hard. Yeah. What the hell people? I mean, come on. What's the deal here? If you don't want to work hard, just don't apply. I mean, you don't have to threat people who are doing this. Jeez. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I hope this is this is over now. I hope you. you oh yeah, it's it's well over. Here. It was it was very much for that. Just that that was like the peak of the craziness. Well, uh, okay. I would not expect this. <laughs> so I'm glad actually nothing happened. You know, I'm I'm really happy yeah. you did deliver and that it all ended up well. Um. All right. All right, Jared. Um, so we are here in the React Native show podcast. So um, and I know you got a little bit of background in React Native, right? Can, can you can you share with us what, what, what was your background with React Native? Yeah, um, I I previously built a, a handful of apps in React Native uh, a few years before BOM. Um, one was like an alarm clock app. One was a that uh, was like a, a meme app. Uh, uh, and that the Mew app was like really fancy. We had like a, a, a contact picker, a really fast React Native contact picker API. Um, or memes. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> well, for like a share screen. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably I overengineered it. Um, <laughs> I definitely overengineered it. Um, <laughs> That's what we like to do as engineers, right? <laughs> yes. I spent a bunch of time worrying about also like how do you also like the the the, the way you like because you could like re, the idea with the app was that you could like mix and match multiple uh, videos and photos in one and then it would like generate a, a gif um yeah. uh, uh and like i spent a bunch of time on like the text rendering stuff there like figuring out how to style it because there's only there the, the options in react native that come with like the built-in uh text component are, are pretty limited right. um, so I had to like read a bunch of stuff about how uh, 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 what is it called oh, it's been a few years uh, uh, the uh, yoga about how yoga uh, works and I had to like write some I didn't know at the time I had never written any C++ so I was like what is this okay um, <laughs> right uh, I see yeah okay. but it was pretty I, I went like pretty deep on that for a little bit it was I learned a lot um Okay, I have to ask a question because since you've said that, I, I, I couldn't focus on anything you said. You're in a GIF team, not GIF? 
Since we're talking about the e-mob, I have to ask that. <laughs> I, I I don't have a strong opinion on this, whether it's GIF or GIF. I always just say GIF. Um, <laughs> All right. I think because I think people would, would be would be starving to ask that. <laughs> okay. So, all right, all right. Um, so you know, uh, you know a little bit about React Native, um, and I know that you've seen. Uh, I think that was a week ago uh, that our folk from from Callstack, uh, Tomek Mishukevich, did create a pull request to React Native to introduce Bun as a package manager, and it got merged. So good stuff. Um, yeah. So, do you see any specific future, maybe? Maybe do you have some ideas about how Bond can can you know interact with React Native or maybe it can influence it somehow? I think there's like two really cool directions. The the baseline really cool direction is like is there a world where you could have something like Bun's Bundler instead of in place of Metro? Um, I think I think it's like very plausible. Um, like specifically, in the, like I think the 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 main bottleneck really is that. Is when using when targeting Hermes as a runtime, uh, Hermes doesn't implement all of the uh, uh, doesn't implement all of ES6. Last I checked, I might, I might they might have known by now. I haven't looked in a little while, um, but I, uh, I think like async and await or maybe it was and maybe it was uh, async iterators. Uh, but there's a few things like that which people expect, and Bun currently doesn't support uh, transpiling down to down to ES6. Um, could be added in the future. It's not terribly hard. We can we can something where we can use ES build as a point of reference because ES build does do that. Um, but it's still uh, something that we haven't done. Um, uh, but I, I think it would be very plausible to to do that in the future. Um, I think what's what's more interesting is the question of can you can you run uh, her, her, instead of instead of using JSC, could you run a build of Bun on the device directly? I think. And this is all very speculative. You can't, to be clear, you cannot do this right now. It doesn't work. Um, you would need to figure out how to build it. But the, right. the potential there is interesting. Um, it, it, and it's interesting because then you could have the type trip built directly on the device. You could just ship sort of like a web browser. You could just consume the, the, the code in the same, or like the ideal of a web browser really, where you could just consume code in the same source, the way it's, you get it from the source. Um, so you wouldn't you have do, to transpile it down to JavaScript. It would be just TypeScript. Fed it directly yeah. into browser in this case. Yeah. Um, and so then you wouldn't need to, and then Bun has built in hot reloading. So in development, you would just run Bun with dash dash hot in your iPhone app. Um, I don't exactly know how that would, you would need a way to pass flags, obviously. There'd need to be some kind of API, et cetera. But, um, uh, and you would get the full runtime. So you wouldn't, it wouldn't just be, uh, uh, it wouldn't be like, because right now it's, you sort of get a limited set of, web APIs that are kind of seemingly arbitrary to some extent. Like last I checked it, like in order, in order, it's been a few years since I really use React Native, but uh, like, for example, like fetch, you had to use like React Native fetch blob, if I remember correctly, um, or it was, a, it was a package like that. And then, whereas instead you could just, if it would, if, if you could use bun, then you would just, you would just use the fetch global and you would have all of the web APIs that bun implements. Um, right. Uh, and you could use like import and require in the same file. Um, uh, you could use like, uh, you could like start an HTTP server inside your React Native app. I don't know exactly why you would want to do that, but you could. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. And I think so there, there's some, there's some path there too, where you have like, because, uh, her, because, uh, 
the the JSI has an existing adapter for JSC, it should be totally possible to just use their existing JavaScript core C API uh, to to with Bun. Um, uh, and then on top of that, there are various things we can do to make that JS to make JSI faster. In theory, uh, again, this is all speculative. None of this is implemented, uh, but I think there's a ton of interesting possibility there in the future. Yeah, that sounds really it, that sounds really exciting. Actually, like from the React Native developer point of view, like I will I would love to to give it a go already. <laughs> so do you have <laughs> you already have some kind of plans that you want to do it and you know you, you feel like okay maybe next year we're gonna try to do it or or do you have nothing for now and this is just like oh that would be nice and that's this it. is all speculative i have nothing right now to be clear okay however how the way i think about this is that like like i wonder if in like we could we cannot focus on this anything like this right now we have there are 1600 issues more than 1600 issues or something like something like a number like that in our repo right now and right that number needs to go down that's like embarrassing. I mean, it's but not embarrassing, you know, looking at that it's just two years of development, mostly by yourself. I mean, come on, man, just, just give <laughs> yourself a little bit of space, you know, and, uh, and agree that you are, well, you're probably a human being, right? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't give you a capture to, to solve it, but well, I, no, we're, 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 we're a team of six, of seven full, full-time people. We, we like, there are other people contributing and, and working on really important stuff. Uh, it's not just me. Um, uh, but I think like, I think like basically maybe it, you could, maybe this is something that we would explore in like a year from now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah. like once we've had time for like windows to be good and once we've had time to like make the issue count go down, once we've had some more work on like hosting and projects like that, um, that I think it would be interesting to, to have, uh, some kind of. But, and or maybe somebody from the community will will be interested in in seeing where that goes and and if there is somebody from the community who's interested in it's going to not and to be clear it's not going to be something that's easy to do um, right there's going to be a bunch of stuff that that needs to be tweaked especially figuring out how to get bun past app store review is going to be a challenge because we do use a lot of system call uh, like low-level apis that are typically not accessible to, to iphone apps so we're going to need to to figure out which one of those which ones need to not be used and then have some iPhone specific workaround. Um, and question is how uh, that will affect like the performance and stuff like that, right? Because that would be a significant change. Uh, most of the places these things are used are in things like uh, bun install, um, where you, you have arbitrary file system access and it's probably a little bit less important uh, to, to a React Native use case. Okay. Um, uh, the, the, there's a still a, uh, an interesting thing there too with like uh, on Android you could have a JIT. I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100 sure how that works. I think I think there's some rule there for like you can you. It's like more it's like more relaxed than iOS. But I'm not 100 sure. And the, there will also be some binary size con concerns too because on iOS uh, you don't you can just use the dynamically linked version of, of JavaScript core. You don't have to have a copy of JavaScript core. Uh, I think that would add like 20 megs or something to, 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 uh, maybe it'd be less than that, but it'd be something like that, which is huge. So that's something to be worked to the, to the, to the, to the final bundle. Yeah. Um, okay. because of linking JavaScript core. So that, that would be a problem. Um, maybe yeah. there's ways to make it smaller. I'm not sure. Well, um, it's, it's the, the shout out to, to the community. If, if anyone's there, 
you know, hyped enough to jump on this and try to to help Jared and his team building stuff for the React Native future, <laughs> go and do that, right? Um, I'm not familiar with Zig at all. I would love to give it a try, but uh, this is not my this is not my you know piece of cake. This is not a piece of cake at all. Um, <laughs> so uh, Jared, uh, let's just try to sum up the the React Native part. Um, so, what would be the biggest like just just a very brief one? What would be the biggest benefits? for React Native of, you know, introducing Bun to it, if you could point that out. Um, it, in the in the short, it's, if it's the first thing, which is like the, uh, it, today it'd be Bun install and Bun run uh, faster to install packages, uh, faster to run your scripts. Um, a little bit longer term, maybe we could, maybe there's some potential for, for Bundler uh, to, to work there and that means faster bundling, faster builds. Um, you can also, it also means you could do some macros. So Bun has this interesting feature in the Bundler where you can have compile time evaluation of code. Uh, if you add import type uh, macro uh, or with type macro at the end using the import assertions or not import assertions, um, import attributes, the stage three proposal. Um, and then uh, the result of that is inlined into the build. So if you want to move some expensive code to happen at build time, you can just do that uh, uh -huh. directly. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much for this brief summarize summarization. And now, um, you know, we've been already uh, an hour in in this discussion. So um, I think this is a good time to, to, to try to give answers, a few answers to some questions from Twitter. Uh, so we recently asked on Twitter if you got any questions to Jared, and we got a few questions. So let me, let me, Start with this one. It's from from Jamin from Infrared. Um, shout out to you, Jamin. So, the Jamin uh, Jamin is is a little bit curious about um, how the core team seems to make um, very quick decisions on API, specifically bun dot the command, right? So he thinks that you know these quick quick decisions may come back in the future and bite you later. Right, it's a blessing and a curse because you make quick decisions, but you know you need to think about the future as well. Um, so he's curious. What are your thoughts on the risks of potentially getting a ban dot API wrong, and need to introduce the breaking changes in the future? This was one of the things just before 1.0. We uh, we we removed a handful of. Uh, we did make a few mistakes there. And in, that was we we used 1.0 as kind of a also a place to do breaking changes. Uh, so we removed like there was a function bun dot read file as string, which is just like why did we have that? Because uh, uh, <laughs> uh, there's already a you can already do bun dot file dot text. It's a much cleaner API. Uh, it gives you a array buffer, you can do JSON, etc. Uh, so 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 and there were a few other ones like that. Like there was like for this really obscure thing bun used to support and we stopped supporting is like bun not get imported style sheets was another function which is like you could append uh uh it, you could get a list of all the style sheets imported since the last time you called bun get imported style sheets which is like useful for like kind of server-side rendering embedding css figuring out what style sheets need to be bundled together potentially but it's like that's like the wrong abstraction for that so it's right. another one we got rid of um so you did uh, basically the review of the whole api before 1.0 yeah um 
the the ones that are sort of weird that we left in are bundle unsafe. Um, uh, so you can use bundle unsafe to uh, there, there's a, a couple functions on there. One is uh, dot pointer, which lets you read. I think that was no array buffer to string, where bundle array unsafe dot array buffer to string lets you. There's uh, a string to array buffer. I think it's array buffer to string, uh, and the idea is. You can, it's sort of like you cast an, an array buffer to, to a string. Um, right. And so without doing any encoding or decoding, so you could have potentially invalid data. The string could potentially, the if the array buffer is freed, then it could crash. So it's this, this is why it's unbunda unsafe. Um, right. Uh, because it is unsafe. Um, it says what it does, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but it's also potentially really useful in very specific cases where you know that it is already a correctly encoded string and the, there's overhead with converting and, and for, with decoding encoding strings and you know that you can just skip it. All right. Um, so it's sort of giving people power tools um, that they they have to just be very careful with. Okay, so, um, you know, did you, did, you, did you and your team change the approach of, you know, introducing new API stuff after you release 1.0 or is it the same as before nothing has changed and you're confident about this approach um we are we're we are pretty careful with what we do add even though it doesn't seem like it um uh like one of the ones we haven't done yet we've actually been pretty conservative on introducing new apis because we we spend most of our time on node.js compatibility um uh, like we don't we still don't have a way to read directories uh without using nodes fs library um uh when we have a whole like spec planned out there for what we're what that's going to look like um but we can't prioritize it right now because we have to fix so many bugs first right um, right so yeah i would say we we actually don't have it's not that arbitrary um it was definitely arbitrary like the first you know when before we really spun publicly at all uh and it was like just me in this room uh but uh that was, but we've, but we, yeah, we did a review before the one went out. Okay. All right. Um, Nick Revenko uh, is uh, curious a little bit more about macros and FFI business. Um, he says that it's definitely worth using, but when will it be safe slash production ready, if not already to use? And what are your and the rest of your team's plans for this feature and further support and development? Um, for, for macros or FFI, cause those are both pretty different things. Um, um, you know what? let's, let's talk about macros. Okay. I think I have mixed feelings about macros. I think we should have done, uh, it, I think it's really only useful right now for like inlining certain data, but what we should have like macro is almost a miss, a misnomer. Uh, it should have probably been called like comp time or const eval or something like that. Um, because that's closer to what it actually is. Um, right. But I still think we should do some kind of macro thing. But I, I would love for us to do, and again, we, are, we don't have any cleanses right now, to be clear, because again, we need to fix bugs. That's, that's our priority. Um, uh, but uh, I, I, I would love to do something that's more uh, like, could you do, could, could you like pass it some code to, to include in the result? And then like, it gets it like programmatically uh, like, generate a for loop that inlines all the results or something like in that it gets like transpiled and everything, something like that. Um, I would love for us to do something more 
so, so like less like right now it's very limited you can only do you can only get data and return data um it, it, there are things where that are fancy about it you can do like you can use like return response body and it will actually uh detect that it's like the response body output of json and then it becomes just javascript objects and then you could do like destructuring uh to to do dead code elimination on that so if you're only using the like api object or or like the the name or avatar uh, property on the JSON return from a macro, then the transpiler will detect that and then not include the rest of the output. Yeah. Um, okay. As long as minification is enabled. Um, uh, okay. And then regarding, and then regarding FFI, um, right. the 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 interesting direction I think with FFI, which we haven't done enough of yet, but I'd love to to uh, explore it more in the future, is like. JavaScript, it should be easier. You should be able to import arbitrary files from other programming languages. And you, you can hack this together right now. There, there was a community member did this, but uh, we should make it a little bit easier. Uh, we don't right now. You have, right now you have to use some combination of loaders and uh, like spawning a process and a few other things and FFI. To, and then the end result is you can like import a REST file um, from TypeScript. But this needs to be this in, in its current form, and it's it's like still pretty hard. Uh, we we should make it easier. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. Um, so last question, uh, but this one is from me, uh, and I'm just just really curious about it. So you mentioned that Bon received a uh, like seven mil investment last year, uh, last summer, I suppose. Um, so that raises a question: What are the plans for Bon? to you know to start profiting well what what are you planning to do in terms of you know start making money with bun we're going to do integrated hosting into the runtime so if from bun cli there will be a sub command for deploying directly to, to production and it's going to support both existing frameworks uh and it's also going to support just like plain like node.js style things and also and also bun scripts and everything else um uh Kind of the idea there is uh, we're going to make it really simple to deploy pretty much anything, uh, and it's going to start really fast. Right. Are you are you planning on on building your own platform, or do you want to you know partnership with like I don't know maybe Vercel? I know that Vercel recently did take Bun into their services, right? I, I think like I obviously I, I I think Vercel is great and we, we love them. Uh, uh, I think that most likely, like the the plan there really is that we're going to uh, we're going to offer hosting on our on ourselves, uh, and uh, we're going to um, it, it like uh, and the, and that means like building out a lot of infrastructure and monitoring and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's part of it. Okay, and that's the plan for when? When do you plan to to release uh, such a platform? We don't have a date to share right now, uh, but because really, again, right now our focus is just on we have sixteen hundred bugs that we need to fix or sixteen hundred issues, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, but I would ex I would be surprised uh, if it didn't if it, if it ships later than say a year from now. I would be very surprised. Uh, I would be su less surprised if it was six months, but. Uh, so somewhere in that range is probably is pretty likely. All right. 
All right. So, so the community has something to look forward to. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right, Jared. Uh, thank you very much for that. And um, that was a really, really interesting discussion. I wish we could have like, I don't know, maybe one day more to do this <laughs> because I feel like we could be talking about it for the whole day at least. Um, so yeah, uh, big thank you again for showing up. Um, I would like to encourage everyone listening to, to this podcast or watching us on YouTube to, to give it a go, to go there, you know, um, download Bun, try to, you know, uh, integrate it into your project if possible. And, you know, drop drop some comments, uh, you know, tag Jared on Twitter, let him know what's wrong, let him know what to be fixed. <laughs> he will probably appreciate that. I will. I would love that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And me personally, now I'm very hyped to try try out Zig and maybe try to contribute to to this. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that will be possible in some time. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, all right, all right. Thank you very much, and yeah, have a great day and take care. Thanks. Thanks.